Adam from Adam. Am I saying this right? The Paradox Podcast. Yes, the Adam Paradox. How are you doing? Thanks for joining me tonight. Doing good. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. I think we got connected. I started following you on Twitter a couple months back. Yes. Yes. It's been a while. Yes. I feel like we go way back. Like we know we've known each other for a while now. Yeah. A little bit. Reading each other's tweets and well, at least I read yours. I don't know if you read mine. That's I don't tweet all that often, I guess, but. Oh, totally do. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. when you, when you know you're going to talk to someone, you got to do your research and you, you look up their social media pages. Oh, you, I totally stalked you just before the call. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, uh, hey, you've been doing a podcast for a while. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I've been doing a podcast for a little over a year. Okay. Uh, like seriously uh, doing it, but I, I've done on and off for the last couple of years uh, and it's just kind of evolved. I, I listen to some of my earliest stuff and I cringe. <laughs> and I'm just like, who is this guy? <laughs> Uh, no wonder why I didn't go anywhere. So it takes a little practice, you know. You got to hear yourself back on repeat a few times. That's the way. It's getting reps up and then watching the film. Yeah, and it definitely gets motivating. The more listeners and followers you have, the more interactions you have, and just talking with everybody that that tunes in. So yeah, no. Right now, I have a guaranteed about three listeners every week between my parents and my fiance. That's all I know. <laughs> so, but but they love me, so they listen. I get a few more than that, but they're. I'm up to at least three regulars. So yeah, I think I think everybody's podcast usually starts out as a hobby. Uh, I mean, there's a few that start out with it being probably professional because they already have a following. Yeah, but for everyone else, that's how it starts. It's always a hobby, and then they take off somewhere at some point. It's it's fun. It's a challenge, right? Oh yeah. And so what? And your background, you know, since you know podcasting doesn't pay the bills yet for you. Uh, if I read correctly, you are a psychologist or have a psychology background. Yeah, I am a psychology major. I'm actually currently a behavioral therapist. Okay. And so I work with a lot of children and uh, older adults, uh, mostly with autism or special needs. Okay. And yeah, we, we kind of like, you know, play a lot of games, go through behaviors, other things like that. Um, and then there's a lot of extreme stuff to the job, but it's it it's a very, it's it's always changing. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever had one case that's exactly the same. I can never do the same technique with everybody. And I'm always learning something new. And that, that excites me. And a lot of, it sounds like then a lot of individual problem solving. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very and, good. And, and often you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to. And you feel like someone's going to be mad at you. You're going to be let go or something weird like that. Uh, there's not much contact with with uh, the office or anything or your leads. Uh, that That's only about like every so often. So you do feel alone in the job and you're just going to people's homes. It's a very different environment. Oh, so you're in-house. Yes, yes. I'm not in the clinical setting. I, I kind of – sometimes I feel like the clinical setting would be really nice, but then I'd have to clock in. I have to do everything exact like a textbook. And the only issue with that is you're only getting specific data. And to me, you're not going to learn the underlying causes that go on with the children or, you know, with these behaviors. Yeah, that and makes sense. It's far more extensive than than the evaluations that are given for like maybe like two hours, three hours in one day. So it's it's an exciting field. It's a very complicated and competitive one but i'm excited it's fun good how long have you been doing that anyway uh i've been doing that since april 
Oh, so this is hasn't been that long, that, but I've already had 10 cases. Oh, wow. So this has got that new job smell to it as well. Still. Oh man. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, being with uh, a single case for a long period of time mm-hmm. is kind of when you start unfolding everything. Like originally I went into uh, one case thinking it was this way, the way that they wrote out in the evaluation. Yeah. Now that I've been there for a few months, I look at it and go, I think there's more to it. I think I can add more to it. And recently I've uncovered some tremendous progress on it that the new treatments that we're going to be putting in mm-hmm. should ha- should be very profound and be very effective. Hopefully, you know, in theory, that'll work <laughs> out. But it's interesting how long it really takes. No. Oh, so absolutely. You, yeah. So we just go through months of feeling like we're not doing it. We're not working. It's not working. It's not working. And then you have a breakthrough and you go, oh, I get it now. I know what I can do. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I mean, everybody I've met in this career has been awesome. That's great. Yeah. It, remind, it's, it reminds me a little bit of, I work in the sales world where it's like, even like you're saying, sometimes the customer doesn't know what they want. It doesn't mean they're lying. It just means they don't give you the full truth and you kind of got to figure it out. So. Well, right. Yeah. And everybody has a different way of explaining it. You know, they oh, have a different way of. The words mean different things as different people. Right. Yeah. And their perception's also different. Yeah. No. So. Very true. Very true. And so, and then stuff I've uh, read from you on Twitter and other places, is you're big on the anti-bullying stance, which is good. Oh, of course. Yeah. Who's, I mean, I, I don't know any pro bulliers out there. At least by you know with that, how do you get into how do you get passionate about that part of it? Well, uh, well, mo- mostly with bullying. I mean, that was most of my life. Uh, I was the bullied kid. I was uh, very awkward, and that had a lot to do with my upbringing and everything. And not not on my mother's side, but on my dad. Uh, he was very abusive. Pinned me down and you know close fisted, just beat the crap out of oh, me. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, it, it happens. And when you get older, I, <laughs> it it's it's kind of a weird thing. You're, you're like, why can't you just say sorry, you know? And, and he can never do that. And so I just realized he's not the person I wanted him to be. He needed to be. So it's, it's okay. I cut, you know, ties with him and everything. And that's just, I can be who I want to be because of that. The one thing that I'll still do though, is I'll still talk to him. Mm-hmm. It's just very rare and it's yeah. not by, not about much healthy boundaries. Uh, healthy. Boundaries. Oh yeah. Very, very much so. And that's really more or less where it's at, but he can never really be a healthy person in my life. So I'm not going to keep, you know, poking the cow with that one. Right. Um, but I, I got into it because bullying seemed to follow me a lot, and how, it, it happened when I was in the military. Real quick, how do you how do you define bullying? Just so because I, I can, oh. yeah, because I think it, different people will think of it as different things. How do you define it? Well, I go by the uh, I think it's the Bullying Association. Oh, what's the place called? You can look it up online. You can look up like bullying definitions. Like usually the first one that comes up, and it talks about how it's a set of. Um, I believe it's a set of actions that are repetitive and intentional, um, okay. which is like a negative impact on an, on another person. Okay. Repetitive and intentional. Yeah. With negative impacts. Right. All right. I can see that. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, I should look up what that definition is. It's a good one. Um, I'll see if I can find it. 
real quick and as I That's okay. talk here. If I, if I played music, I'd put some efforting music in here. So oh, okay. I don't, but I would. <laughs> um, let's see, bullying. bullying is unwanted, aggressive behavior among school-aged children that involves a real or perce- perceived power imbalance. There it is. The behavior is repeated or has potential to be repeated over time. Both kids who are bullied and who bully others may have serious lasting problems. Yep, that's it. That and power balance, repetition. It goes in the types of bullying, teasing, name calling, inappropriate sexual comments, taunting, threatening to cause harm, social bullying, leaving someone out on purpose, physical bullying, hitting, kicking, pinching. Thoughts of punching, but tipping, pushing. All right. Yeah, it, I mean it, that's a very good definition for it, and it goes even further than that. And uh, it, I, I did my thesis on this, and it was workplace bullying and toxicity. Okay. And it, it goes like there's even uh, the workplace sociopath. Okay. Like it goes that far. Okay. Now, now everyone's working with a few people. You're like, now you got me curious. Yeah. So, yeah, I got into bullying because it followed me everywhere. I was in the military. The bullying happened there a lot because it's a very – I mean that if you were to be in the industry of bullies, most of them are going to be in the infantry. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you're going to find the most there. <laughs> That's a high ratio there. Oh, definitely. Oh, and, okay. and not only that, they promote from within. So if you're getting DUIs and bullying other people, they think, oh, you got leadership potential. <sighs> Ah, oh, yeah. But by the way, thanks for your service to that. Oh yeah, no worries. Hey, it's uh, it was just a short time, but uh, yeah. So you saw it in the military. You now in then workplace toxicity. Tox used a bigger toxicity. word. Than, yeah, that word <laughs> for bullying. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah. So when I uh, in this last couple of years, I had a job doing graphic design work for a fashion design company. I was basically superimposing clothes onto models. Okay. And so I work really fast. Well, despite how the job is very isolated, it's it's not very like team oriented. Uh, so it's a lot of individual work and everything, which is fine. I enjoyed it. I read like 85 books during that job. Oh, wow. Yeah, just like listening to them while I worked uh, for eight, ten hours a day. And But there was another dynamic. There was the one where they have their extra recreational or extracurricular activities, and they talk about it in the workplace. Now, this is what I call inadvertent bullying, and that's because these situations that come up and when you ask somebody, hey, man, you want to come over to a party? There's going to be a lot of drugs there and alcohol, you know? That is actually putting somebody in a position that um, would would otherwise kind of victimize them or make them uneasy, and, and that's what I call inadvertent bullying because it is a negative impact on another person. It's essentially setting up the environment to be toxic. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. I, I don't know, hundred percent. Is that was that a term you've used, or is that like a, a something else? I don't know if that's an official term. I, I've been coining it as inadvertent because it's it's the only word I can use to describe it for a lack of better ones. Okay. And it's it's kind of like indirectly bullying somebody but without the knowledge of intent. Okay. So it's just creating a toxic workplace environment but at the same time you're kind of bull- setting someone up to be bullied because – and I'll explain this. 
what happened to me was there was a, a moment where the boss was out, and this is a smaller office. I think there was like 13 of us. Okay. Small, smaller office. And the boss was out, and hey, it was time to drink. Well, I would never drink on the job. I mean, I just – I'm like, okay, it's a professional workplace environment, you know, and – but I had to have a drink with them or I wouldn't fit in. And so it was kind of like the first thing. It was like the first step. Now I'm uh, compromised. Everyone else is doing it. And if I don't join in, then I'm going to be the one person that doesn't click with the group. All right. I see where you're going there. Yeah. And then the next thing that happened was the the drugs. So they all started smoking marijuana outside the, in the parking lot. And I didn't do that. I don't partake in those things. I hung out with them, sure, but I I don't do them. And and so that was another thing they they thought I was becoming, or would be a narc. And that's that's the uh, kind of the beginning stages of the environment of bullying. Okay, the the, the decisions before the unintentioned decisions before it gets there. Right. Exactly. So. After basically what happened is uh, that repeated a lot of times and there was people getting laid off and I became the target next. And what had happened was there was a file like towards the end of one. Okay, so the at the end of one day, there was all these tasks and files that we had to have done before we could leave. Well, I took a bulk of it. I did like probably 75 to 80 this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, different files. I mean, that's what the average was I was doing. They told me originally I had to do 100. Well, everyone else had been doing about 20 to 30, and I'm not sure why. I was going slow. <laughs> and so there was one file left, and I had searched through all our files like we're supposed to to see if there's any more projects. Uh, and I got called in, and I was told that I didn't do this one project. Now, why I was singled out over five to six other people is beyond me, mm-hmm. but I was singled out on it. And I said, okay, well I, you know, can go do it right now. It's not a big deal. And they just wanted to stay mad at me. They, they wanted this to happen. And I think it was like a day or two after that, it was my 90 day review. And my boss had told me that I wasn't getting along with anybody. And I'm like, who am I not getting along with? I haven't heard a thing negative from anyone. You know, and I've been pretty nice to everybody and, you know, buddy, buddy and all that kind of stuff. I had requested a time off about a month, a month in advance, month and a half, because I had to go to a friend's, like a close friend's wedding um, on a Friday. Yeah. And they called me that day about four hours before the wedding and told me I was being let go. Wow. Yeah. I was like, okay. Couldn't tell me on the following day or wow. day after. You had to tell me on the day of. Yeah, uh, I requ- yeah, got no, requested off and approved and. Yeah, no, I'd be interested. That's an interesting. One. Uh, my fiance works in HR. She's an HR business partner. So when you oh, say nice. so when you say this stuff, it's like, hmm. I'd be curious what she thinks about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I I wouldn't know, like what the rules are or anything, but I would think that's just shitty all in itself it's at least bad form i'll give it like whether oh yeah i don't i don't know the rules of stuff like that and so you're sort of you know well and then the the goodbye of it was just terrible it was just like all right i get it if if uh you know you guys are not doing well and and it just needed to be seasonal kind of thing okay yeah or, or reduce my hours or let me know i mean you really should be 
saying, hey, thanks for taking a day off. That saves us a little bit of money because I wasn't asking for pay. Yeah. I never do. I, I almost never do. Um, unless I've accrued sick time or something else like that, yeah. then I'll just take, you know, take those days or vacation time. Yeah. No, that's, but, a, that's an interesting situation. Yeah. So that one really hit me. And that became kind of like this starting point of reality is not what I thought it was. Uh, where where I assume everything's going well. You, you think about the phrase, no news is good news. And, and that was most of what I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. But I actually had utter silence. I didn't hear anything, any critique for about a month. And then I realized I like to live in critiques. Let me know how good I'm doing or how bad I'm doing. Right. You know, I, I just now thrive on that. And, and that's fine. Uh, I like to know if I'm wrong and I hate to continue if I am. So that's that's where that kind of started out for me. And I was going to school at the time and I, I kind of went through school more and uh, I don't think I worked another job really. I had a couple other small jobs, mm-hmm. just kind of uh, developing graphic design things and trophy cases and stuff like that. Uh, didn't pay off very well in the end. I did a lot of work for very little pay. The graphic design world's gotten that way since the. It seems like everybody thinks they can do it at home. You know. It's yeah, just... you know, you can you can do some things that look cool, but like there's so many rules. Yeah. <laughs> to like the professional world of graphic design. And, uh, it's a lot of work. It is. I mean, it's, it's a ton of work. And I did originally cause I was a tattoo artist. Oh wow. And yeah, that's why I went and pursued that degree. Cause I'm like, all right, cool. I can apply both of these, uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, the tattoo world, it's, it's very competitive as well, where people are, it's, it's very stuck up. That's probably imagine. the way to put it. Cause you have a lot of artists that everyone's better than everyone or if you haven't learned from this person you're not as good as them oh yeah no i could see that yeah it's a very weird world to be in and everyone's like just edgy let's be it's, honest it's the, sc- the creative types are a little weird in the first place especially when they gather together yeah like one by themselves they're not all that bad maybe even two of them okay here's some fun stories but once you start getting a handful of them together it's kind of turns weird if you're not one of them right exactly but yeah, so uh, one thing led to another, and that's uh, how I got into the whole bullying thing and uh, workplace bullying and toxicity mostly because I've been in so many jobs throughout my life. I've had over 25 jobs. Really? And these were huh. like small jobs, big jobs, you know, just not all of them worth staying at long term because I never really did well with um, being yelled at or being picked on or, you know, that kind of thing. Like I just never wanted to go back. So I'm like, I'm just not going to go. Right, you know. Bye. See ya. No, what, but, what What have you run into with uh, with these companies? How about like family run companies? Oh, family run companies have are are still equally as okay. So there's a, it's kind of a different dynamic. It is from a big corporation to a small family. Um, I think a small family gets away with a lot more of inconsistencies. Like in other words, they're not as strict about schedule about. Uh, if you work a little bit extra or if you don't or if you need like a couple hours off, there's like more flexibility. Once you get to the bigger companies that have about 30 or more people, then then all that lacks and everything kind of goes away. Mm-hmm. And that's even if they're family run companies like in that size. And the the downside, at least of what I've experienced, I worked at a place called Urban and Gerberts in uh, Minnesota and 
it was interesting because that was family owned. Okay. And um, I went to the school. I went to school with uh, the daughters that had, you know, were the owners and stuff. So that's kind of how I knew everybody. Okay. But they they accused me of like stealing sandwiches. <laughs> and I was just like, you guys are stealing money out of the registers, like taking it as if it's like your personal allowance. And I, I eventually confronted the the owner, the dad later. And I just said, hey, uh, this is why I left. You know, they, they are accusing me of this. You know, I'm kind of really broke right now. And you said I could take home any sandwiches being thrown away or, or scraps. And and so that's what I was able to do. You know, um, wow. I was like 18 at the time. Jeez. But I, I've never been yelled at more. Huh. At a job. <laughs> that's of all things too yeah like just straight up embarrassed in front of everybody yelled at um this is bad bad leadership in that sense and like that's a in family business that's tough because they want to promote from within their family yes yeah so then you're always trying to outdo the well and and then the kids never want to follow the rules because why they have no you know it's mom and dad's shop right that's so it's funny in yeah. a bad way. It's in, in hindsight, because I think we've all had those type of jobs. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then Walmart was another one, too, where I've been humiliated in front of uh, coworkers and guests and customers and really? all that kind of stuff. And and I've worked a few of those. And I, I never had one so, so bad before. <laughs> huh. But it, you can find these these places that just have everyone – every place probably has – Someone that is kind of like the seed or the leech, yep. The one that's uh, poisoning the whole batch. Yep. The one that the the leader of the what, what negative influencers. The term I think I've heard it used before. Right. Yep. I had one boss that every day I'm just said, you know, I'm really grateful to have a job. It's been a year since I've been out of the military, and I, I'm just really happy to be here. Now I think she took that sarca- sarcasm, and. She pulled me into the office one day and said, uh, we, we feel like you don't want to be here. And huh. I'm like, well, what gave you that impression? And they're, they they came, they made something up, and I can't remember what it was. They said I was slow working. Huh. Yeah, and they said my coworker, uh, his name was Lucas. He he definitely won't hear this. But, <laughs> um, as, far this as, you, so as far as you know, his name is Lucas, right? It's... Yeah, I don't know his last name or anything. <laughs> okay. Anyways, this, this asshole, uh, he, he was always gone. He was supposed to be helping me in my department. And the reason why I was working slow, or at least my department was slow, is because it was just me. And he was supposed to be there. And he was actually at everyone else's department helping them and, instead of me. Well, they all talked and they slacked and they I was like busting my butt. And uh, trying to be as fast as I could be in everything. And then he would come in at the last probably hour or so. Like during – it was about the time when the manager came around and did her inspections. Yeah. And he would just look like he's cruising like really fast. You know? Huh. And I'm just like, this is this is dumb. And so they're like, hey, we got you got to sign this thing saying that, you know, we, we talked to you about this and everything. They were just trying to build up a report. Yeah, no. And uh, I said, no, I'm not going to sign that. Well, they said, if you don't sign it, then you'll be fired. Okay. So I'm like, well, I can't lose my job. So, all right, I'll sign it. 
you know and so i signed it and then i just like laid low for a while jeez yeah and boy you've been through the ringer of jobs yeah now i realize i'm like uh that was like pretty much entirely illegal oh i don't know much about it but it it had it, it smells of that pretty much yeah so it was just a very um i've been through a lot i've been through a lot of jobs like that i had another one where uh i was i was working at goodwill and uh, this this guy passed away at some point. He was a really bad alcoholic, and he would actually take all the alcohol that came in through donations, and because we're supposed to dispose of that, and he would come in and like uh, drink it all. Wow! So he you could tell when he was getting drunk, and uh, this was in a small town in Washington. But he used to always tell me that I did something wrong the night before, even though I had the nicest, cleanest, organized shift uh, and closing and everything. He would tell me something, I did something wrong and that the boss is mad at me and I need to do this a different way or something weird like that. And it would always change. And he had been there for like five or eight years before me. So, I mean, he, he was the guy you would listen to for sure. Right. But yeah, and then you just kind of realize he was full of crap. You know, that's, yeah. that's the hindsight behind that one. You it's, just realize he's full of crap. So It's amazing how those are the ones that stay, stay there at those jobs or, you know, Good employees get up and leave like, I'm not going to put up with this guy. Yeah. So anyways, all these series of events, it just kind of led me to the point where now I'm like, all right, I'm, I, I got to do a thesis on something. And I had to pick something that was not being popular by everybody else. Like, okay. cause I, you know, I have like 30 other classmates that are going to potentially pick the same topic and a lot were picking, uh, not workplace toxicity or bullying. They were picking bullying and Oh, what was the other one? Gender, like gender identification or something like that. Ah. And yeah, something like that. I can't remember what the other one was. Yeah. Have you dealt with the bullying more? See, I coached, I've coached high school basketball for a while. And you always deal with parents calling my kids being bullied. Right. You know, like they're in, first off, they're in high school. So I'm sure a kid said something that upset another kid. I'm sure of it. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that one bit, but is your kid, I basically want to tell them all the time, like, is your kid's coping skills, like, cause if you can't deal with what these kids are doing, these were at Christian schools. These kids right. were barely mean. I'm sure they were mean in, in, of, you know, at a bigger school, they wouldn't even be thought twice about. Right. Yeah. So what, what is the criteria or, or uh, not even criteria? What, what's your definition of bullying as far as that goes? It's a non- like a non-studied version, I would say. I, like I like what the definition here when it says it's repeated, and you know, with that negative impact. Like the idea of not inviting people on purpose. It's like or leaving someone out right. and bringing someone. Right. It's like, oh, that's just kids being jerks. And in junior high through high school, people are trying to figure themselves out. And so it's like, is it social bullying? If you want to, if if that's what they define it as, yeah. But is it make it? intentionally bad no the kid that is being bullied it gives them an opportunity to learn what like what you were going through at work at times like you have right. to, it gives you a chance to learn discernment and a ton of opportunities to become a better person instead of just going make this other person become a better person like no you know what? it's actually a great opportunity for you to become a better person right because you can't control in life how most anybody acts or if anyone even cares about you so why, why start worrying about it now and think you can control it? It's, it's a waste of energy to try to control. 
Yeah, I've had a few come to me and and they'll say, yeah, I'm kind of like the same idea. My kid's being bullied. And I said, well, how many times has this happened? Is this a daily occurrence? And is it always in the same time or moment? Or And what's what's your kid's reaction? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how are they, what are they doing with this? And, and often I'll talk to the kid and the kid will say, oh, I'm, you know, I told him to shut up or I told them to F off or they told me to do, you know, to F off and I told them to F off. Yeah. And so they end up doing the same thing back. And I said, well, did that solve your problem? And they go, no, I got in trouble. And I, you know, got detention. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, the, and then they they claim they were bullied when they were kind of the instigator or played right yeah. along with it. Well, I, and then I go, is it bullying though, or is this like like you said, a lack of coping? Because that can happen on both sides. Oh yeah, and where it's like, and then it's, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's not, you know, to call someone a bully on that stuff. Like you're saying, it's just it gives. It's using the wrong word at the wrong time that hurts people that are really actually getting bullied. Right. Well, and what I'm describing is then you have somebody that is, uh, you know, thinking, oh, hey, this person just offended me, I think. And so now their coping is not up to par. Right. Their coping skills. And the other person is going, oh, this person's offending me. Like, what the hell? Like, they're coming at me. So then you have another person that isn't coping. So you really don't have a bullying situation uh, necessarily. You just have a uh, like kind of poor communication. Yeah. Uh, between them. And when you have kids that are in high school or junior high going through this, like I expect them to have bad communication. I expect them yeah. to be emotional. I expect if like, like the, I expect like water to be wet and dirt to be, you know, tastes like dirt. I expect kids in that are, you know, junior high and high school not to be, you know, to be emotionally, not, emo- not emotionally intelligent when it comes right. to these things. And that's where as adults, you're, we got to go through like, Hey, look, he might have been being a jerk, but you know what? The you know to try to judge people's intentions is it's a futile effort. Right. Well, their prefrontal cortex at this point is not fully developed, and I'm sure you've heard of this, where it takes to about the age of 25, somewhere around there, for it to fully mature. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the uh, communication that's going to happen between the limbic system and the, uh, uh, I believe the amygdala and. Just totally blanking on my that's other a, terms here. I don't use these every day. So between that and the flux Ugh. capacitor, that's about all I know. Yeah. So when those don't communicate, you do get uh, the teens that you know are getting new hormones and new chemicals and, and reactions and overstimulus, and, and they suddenly don't no longer know how to control their actions. Yeah. And, and that's where it does take you know the uh, remedial intervention where it's like, hey, knock it off, you know. Yeah. Uh, go go sit over there. You know, just a little redirection on that. And I know a lot of parents nowadays in the modern uh, literature as far as like, you know, books and self-help things are just not in agreement with punishment, you know, or consequence to actions and stuff like that. They think I can say something positive and that'll fix this negative situation. Like it, it sounds good on paper. Is what I just what I say, but it yeah. it just doesn't work, and you just can't replace the impact and chemical response that comes with you know like spanking a young child when they're like developing and stuff. As long as you're not doing it overboard, obviously. No, I agree. But it develops a nervous system, and that that nervous system development is what uh, develops the alert system, which is connected to our spinal cord, and that's why we have those gut feelings where our gut drops, and they say there's actually another brain in there. 
Really? Like in our gut area. Yeah, it's not technically. It's still connected to your spine. Oh, I've been developing brain. my gut for a while now. So. Yeah. But that's what causes that feeling. And you go, oh, I don't feel good. I shouldn't do this. And that's because it's sending new signals up to the brain that whatever you're about to do is going to not be may not be good and that's that's what that develops but you got Hmm. people now not spanking their kids hitting uh, i shouldn't say hitting their kids spanking their kids at least you know when it's appropriate or punishing them or putting them in consequences on timeout or whatever and they get older these tantrum these tantrums these kids have get older with them yeah so then then you experience outbursts at a very old age yeah it's it's something that like if you don't if they're not I don't know, agreeable is not the right word, but a likable kid at a certain point, it's a much more uphill battle to climb right? later in life. Socializing them too uh, before the age of four is also important. Okay. And a lot of people uh, think, oh, I just got to stay around family, cousins, and that will be good. But, you know, I, I, I know a family that isn't roughhousing with their kids at all. And that when I'm there or... Uh, any of their other uncles, they they want a rough house. And no, I didn't just out my niece or any, uh, my sister or niece or anything. These are uh, family friends that call me uncle. Yeah. So those um, are the ones you're outing. Got it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they always want a rough house whenever the play happens, and it's like, well, I I always go, y- you need a rough house with them. It's okay because they're going to learn boundaries and limits and and get this energy out. Yeah. And and they learn they're vulnerable. You know, and, and they don't think they can just do whatever they want when they want to. They're turning out to be great kids. So, I mean, something's still happening right yeah. in, in that case. Yeah, that's a tough thing. Like, we, all the friends I know that when they had kids, like, we don't know what we're going to do. This is, you know, yeah. I don't think anyone knows what, I'm not a parent, but you just, you hear a lot of people say, even as their kids are growing up, like, we're just kind of figuring this out as we go along. And that's exactly how you do it. Yeah. Trial and error. I mean, there's going to be times where you're like, oh, man, I went way overboard. It's oh, just yeah. what's important is that you recognize that you did that. Oh, yeah. You know, and then you go, hey, I, I'm sorry I went overboard on that. This is what we're going to do from now on. Instead of, you know, me going nuts and yelling and screaming, I'm just going to start putting you on timeout. And if you get up, I'm going to put you back. Did like, you, Yeah. Hey, did you read that? Or I listen to more books than I read. But there's that uh, chapter in Jordan Peterson's book about that. Have you heard of Jordan Peterson? Oh, yes. They, actually, he's where I kind of got started in psychology. He's he's a great professor in psychology. Mm-hmm. When it when it comes to his religious stuff, he's out there. He doesn't talk <laughs> That's a lot about religion. He, he talks about the Bible. Right. He doesn't claim yep. a religion, at least publicly that I've heard of. Maybe. Uh, he, he does more in his... Um, his like interviews on YouTube and stuff, his live interviews. Okay. But as far as his books go, yeah, not so much. Like, but that... I, I loved his, um, his work on, it was his lectures on Pinocchio and the comparisons yep. to the Bible and everything. Yep. Cause that, I, I, that stuff like amazed me. I was like, what? Yeah. No, I, I heard that one too, like, to the point where I was like, we watched Pinocchio the other, like two weeks ago, like the old 1940s version. Oh wow! Like got, wait, is uh, it that old? Yeah, no, it was. It's really old, and it's. A, I had no it's, idea. It's amazing, that even just like the artwork on it when you look at it, because it's a base there, like in northern Italy, from yeah. the author that wrote it originally. But I yeah. thought for sure it was like 1960s or something developed. Wow, 1940s. I, I, think, I swear it said 1940 something on there. Yeah, movie. no, that makes sense because a lot of Disney's work was originally black and white. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so uh, I, I had asked my friends, hey, let's watch an old Disney movie. And I'm like, I'll get Pinocchio. You know, we made <laughs> chili and watched Pinocchio. And I was like, you know, after listening to those Jordan Peterson lectures, it was interesting watching the story again. But yeah, because like what you're saying with like with the child raising part of it, where he talks about that in one of his chapters with like 12 rules for life. Very oh, similar. Yep. I've uh, read that actually. Yeah. That was I, the last one I've read of his. Yeah. And then he's, uh, he has another one that came out before Maps of Meaning, which. Yep. Read that one too. That was 30 hours took me to read. 30 hours? Yeah. I think it was like 30 hours to read that one. Yeah. It wasn't in straight shot, obviously. Yeah. No, no. I, I, like, I got those in audiobook format. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'll get those. I'll go sit on the treadmill or on the, you know, stationary bike at the gym and listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really weird once you get into the audiobook thing because you just don't want to go back to reading again. But I like reading because I love taking quotes and highlights and, and making notes of things. Okay. So I'm always torn. I'm like, if I could just get both audiobook and, uh, <laughs> you know, like Kindle offers that. The, then it's really nice, but otherwise I got to sit there and hit the repeat button like 10 times to get the quote down. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, there's certain books you want to have the hard copy of. That's for yep. sure. Yeah. But like some like the Jordan Peterson books that are kind of long and in depth, you're like, I'll just listen to them a few times instead of having to go back. But, but okay. So now you got me going. Cause you, you added the religion element <laughs> in there. Cause you, you knew I was going here eventually. But oh I, yeah, I guess. Uh, I always forget. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. I'm not I'm not here to pick a fight. I'm just curious. Oh, yeah, no. No, I, I'm good. You can ask. I, I, I like riling things up. Don't get me wrong. But like, <laughs> so do you. So it's going to be fun, right? Yeah, I see. I feel like we have similar personalities when it comes to that. <laughs> so, and, and you're a smart guy. So I also, and you clearly think things through. So, oh, I try. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're all learning through this crazy thing we call it life and trying to yeah. figure th figure things out and you know we could both see the same thing and come up with two different you know th you know thoughts on it which is fine i think this is great of how people learn too and and part of my my coaching background is i love scout film and you know part of me's like if i get a chance to talk to a guy who doesn't believe in god and is pretty adamant about it and tells me why it gives me like i'm not i don't like i was joking i was thinking it was like i don't have like a magic sane formula like when i tell him this right no believing god it's just we keep it a secret us christians until we find the right time to show people it's like no yeah so yeah i always had an issue with that uh even when i was a christian i you know it's like when's the right time when do i bring this up because in the back of my mind i never really had anything to show yeah yeah, I was like, okay, so now I got to convince, tell somebody that this thing is real, kind of like my imaginary friends, <laughs> uh, which I feel like I still have, and I I know they're manifestations of my mind, so I'm not schizophrenic. I just know that in my mind, if I could have them, like I just wouldn't feel alone, you know, being by myself or just in general. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's weird. It's role play, I, I guess. Like I I do a lot of D and D. Okay. So that's where a lot of that comes from. And I like making up stories in my mind and I always want to write them or okay. put them on paper. And I just do like little things to get going and then never finish it. Okay. Fair enough. So, yeah. you, so you were a Christian at some point in your life. Oh, I was Christian for 25 years and I grew up in a Christian home since I was, uh, before I was an infant, you know, um, I joke around born on Saturday and church on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, my whole life has been around the church. I, I still talk with everybody that 
I grew up with in the church. Uh, it was a lot of people. I mean, they all feel like an extended family. Yeah. And, and that's a weird feeling, I guess, for a bunch of friends and stuff. But we did a lot. We grew up with their kids and uh, most of them don't talk to me anymore because I am an atheist now. Hmm. And, and, and atheism isn't, you know, I'll just throw this out there, isn't another religion. I didn't substitute one thing for another. It It's just literally my uh lack of evidence or belief for a God. So you, so you uh, believe there is no God whatsoever. I know there's some people blend that between that and agnostic where there is a higher power, but kind of set it in motion and stepped aside. Well, I, I definitely don't operate in absolutes anymore. I used to think in absolutes like this is that this is absolutely um, true or this is an absolute thing, or mm-hmm. I, I guess there's things we can absolutely know as far as like, because we know it, but there aren't things that we can know absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like we, we know that steel is steel. However, the applications of it can be different. So we don't absolutely know that steel only operates in these applications. Kind of like the pencil has 101 different ways you can use it. I mean, you know, it's not an absolute. We could have 102 later. Yeah, no, I think... To me, that's blurring lines, I guess. It's like a, where you're defining, defining a term versus what's its use for. But right. I, see, I see what you're going for. It's like it's more or less the perspective side of things. Or, yeah. Or, so I, I don't absolutely know there's no God. I, I do believe in the potential or evidence to be provided for one so we could comprehend one. Okay. In other words, like I, I do believe it's possible. However, I haven't found anything to suggest uh, a God exists currently like nothing to begin nothing to test and otherwise all we have is a post hoc hypothesis and we need to get to a point where we have a hypothesis in other words developing a, a, a test to develop a theory does that make sense oh yeah the tough thing with when you're trying to go when you're trying to test something because in the, in the science world you're trying to make it repeatable right well exactly and when you go to drop a pen you know it, it falls and that is a repeatable process. It does it like nine seconds or something per, is it per foot? I can't remember what that is, but it's nine seconds for something to drop to the floor. That's at the rate of speed at which nine, it drops. Nine, nine whole seconds? Yeah, I think no, it's that's nine. A, that's a lot of time. It's nine seconds of speed. That's how long it takes for a building to go into free fall during demolitions. I know it takes longer than nine seconds or less than nine seconds for it to hit the ground. I mean, if you just do that. Well, a pen, a pen or a pencil, yes. But yeah. at, at the speed of which it falls is like nine. Oh, man, I should look this up. I, I'm not doubting that you you don't have some math to write on something, but like the pen thing, I'm just, it doesn't make sense on that part of it because nine, I, coach, I'll go back to my coaching background. It's like when you have, you know, every dribble you can get, like in end of game situations, they say you have every second's worth about a dribble. Now I know that's actually with force on it, not just free gravity. But I get what you're saying. Like there's a there's an equation there. Just the answer is not nine. All right. Yeah. So here here it is. I I know I'm probably off on it. I might be just confusing that with demolitions. Yeah. Uh, which is nine. It's nine seconds for a free fall or something like that. But the speed it's of gravity. Terminal is velocity. Rate. Right. Uh, The speed of gravity is the rate in meters per second or other standard units at which gravitational fields or effects propagate through space. According to classical Newtonian physics, the speed of gravity is infinite. However, Albert Einstein's special theory of relativity predicts that the speed of gravity cannot exceed the speed of light in a vacuum or approximately 
2.99792 times 10 to the 8th power meters per second. So that didn't help at all. Yeah, I need Sheldon for, <laughs> I need Sheldon for this one. Yeah, where are you at? Dude? Yeah, right. So but it's something like that. Something like I believe it's 9 seconds in free fall is, is what the rate at which everything falls. So in other words, if you drop a bowling ball off the Empire State Building and you also drop a baseball, they're going to fall at the same rate. Yes, absolutely. And because of that observation, we can then in a vacuum. determine that. What's that? In a vacuum. Uh, yeah, I don't know the state it, building at that point, in a vacuum technically. Yeah, at that point you have a you have friction, but I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's this is out of my world. I haven't studied this in years. <laughs> Yeah, so technically it would be in a vacuum without friction and without wind resistance and all that yeah. all that stuff. But they have actually done this test and they've done it on – like they take two items and they drop at the same time. They fall at the same rate and uh, that's you know the theory and relativity of it. But we can, we can determine that there is some force behind that or at least what we assume to be a force. We actually don't know that gravity is a uh, – like if it's real, if it's an actual force, but whatever it is that causes things to fall to the planet is what we're calling gravity. Mm -hmm. So we, we haven't been able to do that with God. And that's been my biggest hang up. Yeah, no. And I, I get what you're saying on that. It's just tough where you go. How do you, if you go on just like, if you just look at it from a God perspective or the God premise, we'll say, right. It's like, how do you test someone who's outside of what he created? Right, exactly. So if he's undetectable, how do we detect it? Through his creation is what you'd probably, I, there's nothing you haven't heard. I'm not trying to, you know. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm not trying, you know, they're saying, you know, people would, and the stuff you've said, like you say, you don't take absolutes anymore, but that's an absolute statement. I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, Which, the part where... God's creation is absolute statement. No, or you said like you don't deal in absolutes anymore, right. but that's an absolute statement. That's yeah, a, I guess it, it is. circles it, back. Yeah. So it's, that's, you know, to me, that's like, I, you hear that before and you think people are like zinger, gosh, you, it's like, eh, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those, like, I get what you're, I understand the premise you're coming with where it's like, you don't, you're, you're more going, I'm willing to be open on ideas that are more than what I understand. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it can't be true. Correct. It's a lot yeah. of that stuff like in the medical world or things that we don't study, like gravity. I get it right. to a point. I have a basic level understanding to have a very basic conversation about it. Yeah. So so the idea is, is that even though we know it's there, what test demonstrates that a God was behind it all? Yeah. And... You're, I don't have a good answer for you on that, obviously. But yeah, I, I, I never did either. See, see, here's the question I have those and stuff like that where sure. you go, you can't prove it, but can, there's none of those tests that can also disprove it either. Right. So then, then uh, oh, shoot, I forget what that argument's called. Oh, I know. They have names for all of them. <laughs> I've, I, I, well, I study this stuff on as, as a hobby for fun, similar to what you do. Yeah. So if we can't then prove it uh, or disprove it, then it, then it falls on the default. Yeah. Uh, that is still not yet proven. Therefore, we can't fill the gap and say it. this is the way it is until it's disproven. And a lot of that happens because in the in the sense of, uh, let's say, have you ever heard my my analogy about the email scammers? No, I haven't. Okay, so 
Um, I recently got an email from a prince in Nigeria who has $20 million oh. that he wishes to give to me. I got that one if, a while back too. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he gives me, if I give him, sorry, if I give him $3,000 as um, a good gesture as uh, in good faith. Yeah. If I give him three thousand dollars, he'll give me twenty million. And his uncle wishes to have a relationship with me, but he can't show me like he. I can't meet his uncle because he's sick and in the hospital and isn't likely gonna make it. But this other guy would like to have a relationship with me and even live with me, uh, you know. And and during the process of trans uh, transmitting that twenty million dollars into my account, and I look at it and I kind of go, well, I'd have to see a lot of proof and a lot of evidence before I set myself up to be scammed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of the same way with God. If he wants to have a relationship with me, then all these other things that ha have to go into place. So I, I don't set myself up to be scammed. Yeah. I can Is see, that... I can see where you're going with that. And okay. so the, the, I mean, the things I just go through, like, cause I, I always said, thought I was like, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd probably be agnostic. I don't think I could be an okay. I don't think I could be an atheist. Like I can see where people have their their you know their hangups with Christianity. I a because if people judge everything in everything, but you see how people who claim Christ and how they act, there's a lot of them that are terrible people. Right. So it's like that's bad marketing. I get it. I'm not going to argue that. You know, it's like but you go. I just can't believe if you want to call it like in the origins, when I hear the evolutionary ideas of going, it just takes time for all this to, to happen from nothing or goo or whatever. Right. It doesn't pass a sniff test for me. Like the, even their own laws, like the law of throw dynamics where things get more disorganized and organized. Like it just stuff like that doesn't make sense. And they're and just the things I've learned where okay. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a young earth or new earth or like you could tell me the earth and we have a hundred percent certainty that the earth is billions of years old. Mm -hmm. Fine. I have no reason. It doesn't change my faith one, one bit. Right. No, it shouldn't. And so it's like, or it's the earth is six or 8,000 years old, depending who you, you know, some people who date it back. I'm like, I, that could be true too. It doesn't change what I believe it's. And so, but like, I just can't believe it came from nothing. Like that. Right. Well, and that's that's where the definition of nothing also changes. And, and I don't want to make this sound like I'm moving the goalposts or anything. <laughs> okay. This is actually science, like beyond me. This is like advanced. Like it still sounds confusing when you hear it. Okay. But nothing or empty space is not nothingness. It's something. We don't know what, but it's not nothingness. In other words, it's not absolutely nothing because it's space. Oh, yeah. It's like. You, you don't we see. can move in it. We can we can oh. go through it. We basically it's there, but it's not there. Oh, but there's something there. Yeah, it's like when people go, like even oxygen. Like you're not living in 100% oxygen. There's a right, lot of other, exactly. you know. I get that concept, but even that, like the origins of something had to come from somewhere. Theoretically, like in my mind, like I can't. That's where I can't get on the hang up. Like someone, something bigger had to be a creator like i joke around we live out here in denver we go on hikes and sometimes you see the weirdest trash on a hike like we've been on a hike i can't even remember which <laughs> one it was and you right. see like a home depot five gallon bucket on the side of the path somewhere <laughs> like who carried this all who the way out here this? like was this someone's like what happened and my whole joke is like look it's came out of millions of years of development 
really a polyurethane or a, you know a plastic bucket <laughs> developed with the Home Depot logo on it. Right. Praise evolution. <laughs> well, yeah, and it wouldn't you know happen that way. But here's here's kind of the way to look at it. Um, the do you understand the process of how like the building blocks of certain certain things are made through like single cellular Vaguely, advancements yeah. and all that stuff? Vaguely, I to say I'd have uh, any real understanding, I'd, I wouldn't be telling the truth. So okay, so like let's say uh, we go, we start back with how the Earth developed, and we can kind of put it to the, put this together based on other planets that we have observed uh, being put together. And so our planet originally started out as like molten hot rock, and it, it got smashed into probably a couple different times in order to create mass big enough, you know, as as it's collecting in our gravitational field. And this this allowed different minerals and different things, you know, from space. Basically, I think the planet would be technically extraterrestrial in, in nature, right? Okay. And so you have different elements mixed together. Now, if you look at what the properties are for DNA and RNA building blocks, mm -hmm. it's phosphates, glucose, and um, uh, what was the last one? Carbon or something like that. Okay. Some sort of carbon. Anyways, I'll, tr I'll trust you. Yeah, I, I'm just totally blanking on my words today. Okay. It's Friday. Usually, usually I'm like really on top of this and, and I become hard to follow because I'm just listing off terms after terms. But <laughs> so anyways, it molds together. And because it's hot and molten, right, it's melting and fusing together these elements. Once a sugar came in at some point, uh, you had the building blocks for RNA and DNA. And now what happens is, is micro changes in the adaptation of these single cell organisms uh, that are created after like ox I think it was like before oxygen even because they didn't need oxygen and they didn't need other nutrients and, and things like that we do now as a complex organism. So what happens is the they start taking on traits. Uh, they start adapting to its environment and changing and multiplying and this is a very, very slow, long process. Because if you think about the micromutations that happen in humans, um, like moles, uh, cancer, um, you know, like birthmarks and stuff like that. Those are very small mutations. And that that's how long it would take for a single cell to become a complex organism. It wouldn't happen uh, as quickly as, you know, the young earthers think and um, even, even in the way the Bible mentions it. Now, the one thing that's very interesting to me mm -hmm. that 19 religions, as far as I am aware, have gotten right is that we are relatable as humans because we're carbon life forms to the earth. Okay. You know, we, we share DNA with earth elements. And that's because all of our building blocks come from the earth. So that's the one thing that I thought was very interesting because they had no way to test this back in as, back then as far as we know. Well, yeah, yeah. even like in the Bible says, you know, man was made from the dirt, like Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, there's also 19 other religions that happened um, prior to the Bible and then like five, I think were just after. Mm -hmm. um, but they all believed that life was breathed into clay sculptings. Mm -hmm. that, and that's what made life. Hmm. And so what, what gets me though, and, and kind of on that is that means that the Christian Bible, the, uh, the one with Yahweh uh, would be inaccurate or at least a plagiarized because it's not an original story. Does that make sense? I see where you're going. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know enough of the history, like, say, of when Genesis was, you know, written down. Obviously, it was oral tradition for a while before you know, it was written down. 
to well, I suspect Genesis to be written down by Moses or whoever claimed Correct. to be Moses at that time. Yeah, uh, no, that's I recently. A... Well, I recently came across uh, some evidence and some theories that the Flavian family wrote it all entirely. That would be, I would, I have no reason to agree or disagree with that or argue it. Yeah, no worries. I mean, this is a theory. This is why, because it's based on certain evidence and the evidence for it is uh, during that time, during 70 AD, there was all these, there was all these uh, war campaigns Mm -hmm. and everything that was happening. And they kind of did this thing where it's almost like they backdated it so that they could uh, not give any credibility to the people of this time like of their time huh so when they go to spread the word it sounds like oh no this was foreseen back you know 30 40 years ago and obviously no one has the ability to test it back then because the record keeping was only to that of loyalty uh or i'm sorry royalty and um high government officials yeah your your general public did not have any records or newspaper clippings or you know, anything unless they wrote it down themselves and only 10% of the population could even read or write. So to make it sound like, hey, this Bible's been around for so long and this is a holy book, they they claimed uh, that it happened 40 years prior, which puts uh, Jesus around 33, Are you talking about the New Testament now or still going on the Old Testament? Oh, this is both, both oh. Testaments. And the reason why we don't know... Um, okay, I'll start with the one thing and I'll go to that. Okay. So... If you change the dates for the for the war campaigns that were said to have happened around uh, 34 AD, around Jesus' time, mm-hmm. they didn't exist. Those wars didn't exist. But if you change the way it all happened and correlate it to 70, somewhere around 64 to 70 AD, they did exist. And the, the things they mention about the war campaigns match up with that era. So, so that's where it gives to the theory that the Flavian family possibly wrote the Bible. Now, Moses, uh, the, the thing that we don't know is who he was, which son of which Pharaoh. Uh, we actually don't know if a Moses was even adopted or existed. And that adoptive story where he like goes down the river and gets adopted and pick and mm-hmm. chose by royalty is actually a fable that goes uh, – or fairy tale, fable, story, whatever, passed down for like – I think it was like 800 years before uh, it was supposed. It supposedly happened, and, and this was in other religions. I, I think it's only one other religion, though. I might have read it in a second one where it was similar, but it wasn't going down a river. But one other religion did say it was going down a river. Hmm. And so I, I've been left stuck, kind of going. I don't think any of this was written. Uh, for accuracy, I don't think any of it was written based on any truth. And when you go through and read a lot of the Bible, uh, there's like you know things Jesus said, but in the setting he's in private and not with the people that wrote it. He's not with Paul. He's not with uh, Moses. He's not with anyone else. Like who was there to write Moses in third person and say he saw the burning bush? Does that make sense? I see what you're saying with that. Like on the New Testament side, I think. It doesn't. Your argument doesn't hold as much water, with at least the number of copies with the manuscripts and all that stuff. And oh, you can have as many copies as you want. That's like Harry Potter having ten million copies doesn't make it any more true. Well, we're talking about with historical evidence. Sure. And with uh, let's see the. If you take the, we don't have the originals for one, but if you take it all the way back, 
Yeah. The the most of the copies that we have are Greek from the Greek uh, translations. Yeah. And then that's where we got ours when many people went and translated the Greek translations to, I think it was like King James. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. And we know the Greeks uh, plagiarized a lot of stories back then, especially during that time around 60 to 70 AD, uh, the Flavian family and all that kind of stuff. Now, the the reason why we can say that it's potentially plagiarized is because we have other documents from these other religions that say the same story before the time of the Bible. And, and uh, so this is the first time I'm know. hearing some of this, which. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, man. I don't. Mean a, to you're fine. Drop yeah. this on you. No, but there's a lot. There's a lot of research to be able to agree oh, yeah. or disagree. And, and, and the hard part is sifting through all the apologetics, and I I don't mean to put them down, and I think they believe they've done their due diligence and everything like that, and they've tried their hardest and all that stuff. So, I'm not trying to discredit everybody that you know claims what they do. Like I'm an apologist. That means I'm an authority on this topic. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you I think there you have to really dig and and I don't mean that to sound like a, a virtuous thing. Uh, you, you just got to sift through the bias and that just takes a while. And then you'll find uh, so many more resources, the credible resources like the historian sites, what who what the historians are really saying, because they will actually show you the physical um, kind of like diagrams of what they found. Like, OK, here's the text. And then they do little bubbles and stuff. And, and how it all writes out and everything. And then they provide the keys and they provide – it's like really weird. It's like a whole little workshop online. And you can actually basically decipher it in real time for yourself. Huh, to, do you have the links for that? No, I don't. Not handy. I can look it up again. Um, I might have a list somewhere on my computer. It's been, it's been about half a year since I've looked all that up. If, I'll, send you and, my, I'll send you my email address. Send me the links on that and I'll look into that and sort of – I'll, yeah, do, we'll I'll do, do some it. research. I feel better. I don't have anything to add or, you know, I'm not going to say you oh, no discredit worries. what you're saying or, you know, I still think so, it's wrong, but I don't have a good, I can't say anything, but like, I just disagree. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mislead you and go like, ah, oh, you know, make crap. Well, up. I, I believe the same thing. I used to believe it. And the reason why I don't anymore is because I, you know, did the in-depth research and I just couldn't find the answers and I'm going, if this is uh, a common knowledge that everyone knows it's true and all this information has made it through the thousands of years uncorrupted, even though in 325 AD uh, you had Constantine throwing out books that may have been necessary for the Bible. We don't know. But no, nothing in the Bible says he was the one worthy of making those decisions, right? So what other information wasn't in there? And then if it is all true – why is the information that proves that it is not not available? Why is that not consistent among every apologist or every sect of religion? And so those were my general questions, and I, I kind of just left – it left myself going, I, I, how do I know? What tests can I do? Because everything I thought was God or acting as God has been a personal perception or bias, something I've asserted to be God. And then I kind of felt, well, I really don't even know if this is a God moment. I don't know if this is. And if I'm faking it at church, which I did for probably about five months, I was a, I was a cameraman at church and um, a worship leader for actually like three years in high school and, and, and out of high school. And I realized if I'm faking it now, 
who else is faking it? And I, I was told a couple things by a couple pastors about faking it. And I, it just made me question things. Oh yeah. Like the one thing is like, what I'd say is like the plagiarism part is the first time I'm, I've really heard of that, which like I said, I don't, does it mean to me? It sounds like a, well, most of the common arguments is that these other religions got it from the Bible because everyone like will kind of fall into the bias that the, the Bible is the first and original. There's book a ton, there's a ton of history, like there's other stories out there that have like Noah's Ark and things like that. Oh yeah. yeah the Epic of Gilgamesh, you know, so, so there's, I mean, there's all types of where stories are, especially something if, you know, assuming the flood is accurate, there's, it's a worldwide event. Right. And the one thing that uh, conflicts with that, and I, I even questioned the statement when they said no other uh, society in history ever experienced that interruption, you know, like no one else's timelines were interrupted by a flood. I even looked that up and questioned it. Now, I looked at almost every ancient civilization to see if anything had been interrupted by a flood. So I found a list. Mm-hmm. And it had like the Aztecs, the Mayans, the, you know, so on, so on, and so on, and so on. And I, and I look up their eras in time and I type in flood to see if there was a flood during that time or, um, cause some of these have pretty extensive keyword searches and you can do this also in uh, peer review mm-hmm. search engines. I use EBSCOhost all day and, um, none of them, none of them show up what if for the, having what, a flood what, in those. In yeah. Those. But what if the flood was before they were there? What if they, uh, what if they're post Noah? Well, here's the claim. In the Bible, it says that the flood happened, was it 400 BCE or 4000 BCE? I don't know the time. It was, Some, it's before, you know, it's after the creation story before, you know, the tribes of Israel. Yeah, I thought it was maybe 4000 or 2000. I can't remember. Anyways. I would guess, that, four, I would guess 4000. Yeah. If I just, from what, on the surface knowledge without doing any Googling efforting. Right. So because we have that, because we know that time. All right. So 2000 and 3000 BC is when they claim to have it happen. Okay. These other stories are dated and confirmed to, um, to have been written well before the Bible. And when you say these other stories. Yeah. 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 Oh, the other, the other flood flood stories. Well, the other flood stories, but just these other civilizations, all their material that's been written mm-hmm. and timelined or documented, like you know how they write in walls and all that yeah. kind of stuff, that was all done well before the flood. See, here's here's the, here's what I'm just going to throw this at you here on yep. that. Those you're taking, are you giving more faith to stuff that just puts arrows in your faith story? More like you're putting faith and going, hey, this said this was at this time, so I'm going to trust this 100% because it, it disproves what I wanted to disprove. Right. So then that would be falling into bias again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely trying not to do that. I, and I, it, we all do it with with whatever. Like I think Duke's the best sure. basketball team out there. Whatever. Yeah. So tell you what, I well, can keep talking about this stuff for a while. Do you want to do this again here sometime? Oh, yeah, totally. Let me, uh, let me, let me close real quick yeah. just with the last part though because um, – I don't want to end with me kind of sound like I'm, I'm not fully completing the, the thought on this, but <laughs> okay. even though I got, you gave me some it homework, seem like, yeah, even though it could seem like I'm trying to fit my bias, it's really just ask continuing to ask the questions 
And and that's all I'm really trying to do. I'm continually trying to, is this true versus now I should believe it's true even though I don't have sufficient evidence. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to find. If the Bible is true, it should be very, very consistent. It claims there was a flood during this time. All right. If the whole world was wiped out, according to the Bible, I should be able to look at every other civilization and find that there was a time written down or nothing written where there's gaps. You know, there's like a couple hundred year gaps where the civilization was wiped out and and show that it's consistent with the Bible. See, that's uh, that's my argument on, on that argument here. I, I just can't let that one off the hook right now is uh <laughs> Because okay, no let's just with the timeline of the Old Testament, you have yeah. the creation story, and then you have a flood story, then you have the Tower of Babel story, where then when the languages were changed, sure, and then people if, so then it, if you can believe that's how languages develop and change at all, I mean we don't have a Tower of Babel, and you can have street lingo, right? Oh yeah, and that changes throughout the time. You got kids now saying yellow and oh. degaf and oh, yeah. whatever. Words change their definition just from even when we were kids to what it is today. I get right, it. exactly. So I mean, but that didn't take a Tower of Babel. Well, what I'm saying though, so what no. follow with me if if what I'm saying here, sure, is that you know we'll give it some credibility that at least it's a somewhat historical event that it happened. Is you're you're looking for stuff that wasn't there before the flood. Because if before the flood there was no Tower of Babel, people weren't separating; they were just congregating, you know. And then right. at, when the Tower of Babel, then they all spread throughout the earth. Well, I'm proposing that there should be something that uh, can be re- uh, that can be matched up with it. That's what I'm proposing. I'm developing a hypothesis of how we could test for that claim. I think there'd be more geographical claims more than say historical claims. There could be. You would say that. I know you could think that. And I've I've had those arguments with like people on on Twitter about that stuff. Uh, what was it the the Grand Canyon, and and that's actually a different that that formed in a completely different way than what they think it did. And and there's a whole science behind it in geology and and all that stuff. It's it's an interesting video, but basically it's like like a it's sunk and then rose and then sunk. Because yeah, so, it's a plate. Well, then I'm going to hold you. To, see, here's what I would say is yeah. if there's one frustration in what I'm hearing, what you talk about is sure. that you talk about science, you want things to be repetitive and repeat it, but then you say, this is the way it was done. They don't mm-hmm. really know how the way it was done. Like different standards are being held to different beliefs. Sure. But we have methods of test, like demonstrating uh, how we know that. But even I, I don't have the ability to repeat it well because it's not my profession. Yeah. So yeah. that'd be the one thing I'd have to say on that. It's like, we're, I just, I would just say, be careful where, whether it's the bias or it's like when you're holding two different worldviews to two different standards, you're not going right. to, you're not holding, you know, and, and I, and I applaud questioning. There's no, I'm not trying to <laughs> please. Oh know. no, I, I appreciate that. And I, I understand where you're coming from too. And, uh, and we all do, and we all do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying not to jump to conclusions. If I don't even conclusively know, about you know the science and everything i just go well hey i don't i don't know enough yet i still can't make a decision and go oh well then the bible's still true i'm gonna believe it anyways or and that's just me i kind of went you know i I attributed too many things to this and devoted my life to it and i just realized there's really nothing there for me to do that for and so i just phased out i just phased out of belief and of faith and i don't think there's a god watching me anymore and i i just you know, it's just a, it's just how it happened. It's kind of like uh, Santa Claus, I guess. Well, Adam, you know? I'll, I'll leave it at this. No, <laughs> no, this. No, I'm praying for you. <laughs>
Okay. All right. So, so yeah, no. I like talking to you though. I like I like the different thoughts. Um, yeah. Um, I'll shoot you my email address if you come up with those uh, the links with like with all the documents and all that stuff. Send them me. I'll, I'll gladly look at them and probably yeah, and ask sure. ask people that are way smarter than me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I could if I could get more in touch with some of these people too, I mean, it would just unlock a whole um, whole world of like new information and everything on what they know. So yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat. Yeah. So all I'd say is, yeah, just be careful of holding, you know, two different views at two different standards. That's all. For sure. But yeah, yeah. I appreciate the time. Let's do this again for sure. Oh, for sure, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. This was a joy. Uh, this was fun. Absolutely. Adam, talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. All right. See you.